Welcome to the Detroit Lions News Draft Podcast. And Tyler, there's a lot of upset people. Oh, yeah, this is it's a sleepy podcast, man. It's over. It's it's past midnight here. Um, can tell Joe's a little bit a little bit sleepy. So this is gonna be a nice little chill, sleepy podcast. But man, I tell you what, a lot of freaking action in this first round tonight. Woo wee! I'll tell you what, though, the people that were upset about the Jameer Gibbs pick, that's what we're going to get into first. Of course, like, just go right in, right? Just go in and tear the bandaid off. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> get no, in there. No, but, like, here's the thing. A lot of people thought the Jameer Gibbs pick was, like, a reach, right? They thought that maybe, like, you could have got him at 18, you could have got him at, in the second round, and I just don't see it that way. And one of the things I know about this is, like... Brad Holmes doesn't believe in positional value, so that that's totally out the window. So, like, well, see, the way I see it is, is so I mean, I do kind of view it a bit of a reach in terms of where we got him. So, so what's your but deter- uh, but what's, what's your but, determination of like a reach? But I'm not upset with the player. I mean, so I guess I I mean I I know it's a little different because you know a lot of people think of positional value or they think of like where you get these guys and like you said Brad Holmes and he's from a place that, that doesn't really believe in that with the Rams he they didn't really believe in that and he doesn't really believe in it now. Um, I mean I guess I guess a reach is a reach the re, the term reach is subjective right because I mean you don't know what other teams draft boards look like you don't know what what you know what he's kind of the idea that he has in his mind for the offense and obviously gives him a little bit more flexibility to get rid of Swift. Um, it's just tough because like, you know, there, there's, there's a few guys I wanted there, you know, um, I, I can't see Gonzalez, uh, a couple of guys, uh, defensive guys I wanted right there. And I, I do feel like Gibbs maybe, you know, had a pretty good chance of being available at 18, but in the same instance, you know, I don't know if, Campbell was making it out of the first round. So um, if you do have to kind of take a slight reach, I guess, and get your running back or your guy, your home run guy at 12. So you for sure can get your guy at 18 that you don't believe will make it to 34. I get it. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I give the draft so far for us, like a B B plus, uh, you know, B minus at the lowest. So anywhere in the B range, I mean, um, I like it, but uh, yeah, it was, you could tell like the wind was let out of my sails a little bit on the Gibbs pick just because it was a surprise and I was not looking at getting a running back in the top 12, but he's a great player and he's, he's got explosion written all over him. I, I say it like this. So like, you know, this line's offense, one thing that they really do need is reliability at the running back position. You obviously got it with David Montgomery, but it, you could tell that the Detroit Lions want to run this two running back system or three running back system, if you keep Swift, which I highly doubt he'll be here, it really just tells me to be. It tells me with the Gibbs pick that they just don't have any confidence in Swift anymore. That he could stay healthy, that he could last through a season. That's what it told me. And if you need a guy like that, you go get the guy like that. You know, you go get that guy. If it doesn't matter where it is and in 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 which pick it is, you you go get the guy that you think is going to help your team the most. Doesn't matter what the draft experts say. It doesn't matter about that. I remember back in the back about two, three years ago, Steve Eisman of the Red, Detroit Red Wings made a pick, and everyone was like, "Who the hell did you just pick?" Literally every person on that they didn't even have like the highlight footage to show. Like they, I think they had one or two clips of him shooting a puck, shooting a puck into the oblivion. Anyways. That guy was Mo Sider. 
and the one thing I know about this is is if you're a good general manager, you can play that smartest guy in the room type role whenever you want. Steve Eisman has done it. Over, he did it with Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond. And Brad Holmes has done it a couple times too. And if you look at their draft record, you can't even argue it. So if these guys want, if Brad Holmes wants to go to 12, you know, trade back to 12 and take a guy like Jameer Gibbs, I'm not saying anything because his draft record proves he's a pretty, pretty stout guy. It's funny that you say the Mo Sider thing because I'm not, I like, I don't really follow hockey at all. Um, I mean, like, once in a while, I look at it a little teeny bit, but not nearly like you do. And it's funny because I do remember them like they were like, what the hell? Like Mo Sider, who the hell is that? And they were like dogging Iserman. And they were even like laughing and making jokes because Sider was even super like surprised that he was the sixth overall pick by them. But uh, I mean, he didn't he he won like defensive rookie of the year, didn't he? He won. Yeah, he won. The, he won the Calder uh, trophy, which is handed out to the rookie of the year. Yeah, so like it, I mean, it just it. That's what it. Basically, what I was looking at when I seen Jameer Gibbs drafted, and then his comments afterwards saying he didn't expect to be drafted that high. It literally was like a, the same thing I seen with Mo Sider getting drafted by the Red Wings. Like he didn't expect to go to that early, but the general manager who has an impeccable record said, "Screw it, I'm taking this guy whenever the hell I want," and. There's certain general managers that can get just they have that knack, right? Like, I'm gonna go get this guy because, and if people think it's a reach, screw them. I know I'm right, and I think that's what Brad Holmes did. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I put it on the page, you know, as a kind of joking around, but like I was saying, hey man, I told you guys, I put uh, I put Gibbs and Campbell in my. Uh, in my draft, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter where I said that they, they were gonna go. But hey, I, I I liked both of those players, and for you know for good reason. Um, they're great players. I think they can fit really well with our system. Um, and yeah, I like I, I like what we're doing. So you know, I understand that uh, it's maybe not what people had in mind, but that doesn't really matter, man. Um, you know, because at the end of the day. Brad Holmes made the pick. He likes it. He's going to stand by it. We're going to have to root for the guy. Uh, and I think that we've got, I, I, I like his style because it's uh he's been like, he's been shooting for these like high explosive, like dynamite, like home run hitter type of guys. And we just talked about that in the last pod that you like, you need guys in today's NFL uh, that have the talent to just be home run hitters. So like you can't just run this boring ass safe offense anymore in the league dude it just doesn't work that way especially give um ben johnson a guy like jameer gibbs on top of the already uber talented offense we have it's it's gonna be fun dude it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be fun you look at it with a ben johnson type offense one of the things you looked at with jameer gibbs in at alabama is like he's great in space he's great catching the ball the backfield great running the ball he's a home run threat every time you know, one of the things that you missed last year was when Swift when Swift got dinged up, right? You kind of missed that home run threat. And I know people like Jamal Williams, and you know he's a cute little, you know one one two yard touchdowns. They were cute, but what really can turn the game around in any aspect of an NFL game is a guy who can take the ball from 
the 30 yard line to the end zone. And that's what it, that's what has to happen. So if Brad Holmes went into the draft and he was like, okay, Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, those are my two top guys. Like he said, you know, maybe he's like, those are my two top, maybe two of my top 10, right? As the draft board fell and they got to six, he was like, screw it, I'll trade back and I'll get one of these guys no matter what. That's probably what he did, what he did. I know you at first were saying, like, why, why, why do we trade back? And like, we only got this, that second round pick, but I think we got something else too. But um, yeah, it just, I think it was a good, I think it was a good move by Brad Holmes because I think he's, I think he's kind of playing to what these, this coaching staff really wants, you know, a guy in space and that can catch the ball in the backfield. And for the people that don't believe in Jared Goff necessarily, um, a good run game is going to help him out a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, and, and yeah, this dude that, I mean, I, I had somebody in our group that was, um, giving me like shit about the guy being like five, nine. I'm like, look, we've had, uh, and it's a good friend of mine. I love him, but it's like, dude, that there's nothing wrong with his size. You know, he, he's got a lot of explosion. He's fast. He's quick. He, he plays a lot like Alvin Kamara. Um, and you know, that's kind of what's his NFL comp. Um, but, uh, I mean, plenty of guys, man, Barry, Frank Gore, uh, you know, Marshall Falk, um, you know, a bunch of those guys are five, nine, five, ten. So I ain't too worried about it. Delvin cook five, ten, even though he looks bigger. Um, but five, nine, I'm not concerned with the size too, too much. Um, great player, but how about that? Uh, how about that linebacker at 18, man? What a dog. That guy is something else, huh? The Jack Campbell pick was one of my favorite picks uh, of the draft. And I know people said you could have got him later, right? Like you could have got this guy later, maybe with the 34th pick that they got in the trade with Arizona. But it's the same thing. I looked at it like I think it's someone... tough to say, man, because a lot of guys like like you said, the draft was super unpredictable. So like you can't really say that either. Like I think I think what everyone missed on this draft was you had guys that no one expected to go in the first round go in the first round especially like emmanuel forbes i didn't expect him to go in the first round i knew jameer gibbs was going to go in the first round i actually put a parlay together around people who were going to go in the first round and i hit every one of them so (laughs) it was was a nice 70 bucks so that's cool but but uh jameer gibbs I, i thought he would be in the first round for sure a guy like Anton Harrison, who got drafted by the the Jacksonville Jaguars, I thought he would be in the first round. But like some of these players that you've seen not get drafted in the first round was absolutely shocking to me. And there's no doubt about it. If the Lions wouldn't have selected Jack Campbell at 18, I don't think he would have been there at all. I think some team would have taken him. And I think it was – Well, people – I mean, people say like, oh, like – um. You know, he for sure, he, there was a 99% chance he would have been there at, you know, or 96% chance he'd have been there at 34, this and that. It's like, yeah, well, there's also a 97% chance that Will Levis was drafted in the top 15 and he's still there <laughs> in the second round. I mean, you still have Michael Mayer available. You still have Joey Porter Jr. You have Brian Branch, Luke Musgrave, Hendon Hooker, uh, you know, Steve Avila, Darnell Washington, all these guys, uh, you know, Osiris Torrent, Sam Laporta. I mean, all these guys who like were borderline. Um, you know, first round picks, Keely Ringo, um, you know, Edabor, Ed, Edabore, 
Um, Trenton Simpson, for God's sakes. I mean, these guys were all mocked in the top 20, man. Like the guys I just listed, I know I said them sort of quickly, but the guys I just listed, I believe all of them, maybe besides one or two, were pretty consistently um, mocked in the top in the first round. Yeah. And it's so like. It's funny. It's funny because like I always tell people like the drafts, like any draft is unpredictable, especially in the NFL and the NHL. I mean, NBA usually you usually know who like the top 10 picks are usually. Um, Major League Baseball, same thing, kind of, you know, who the top 10 picks are because they've been scouted so long. So you you just know. But football and hockey, it's like such a crapshoot. Like you literally, some of these players that you you think are gonna go in the first round, they don't go in the first round. They go in the second round. They go in the third round. You're like, what the hell happened? Well, obviously, the general managers who are making those picks didn't didn't feel the same way as some of these uh, experts, right? So like, I always tell people like, you look at these mock drafts, like, ninety five percent of it's gonna be wrong. That's just the reality. Like, you can look at my mock draft that I put out today. Like Tyree Wilson, he did go in the first round. Um, I had B. John Robinson dropping the 18. That didn't happen at all. And like, just look at it. I mean, I think I had Emmanuel Forbes in the second round. He didn't go to, he didn't, he didn't get to the second round. So I think it was right what Tom Pelissero said yesterday about there, some teams saying there's 20 or fewer first round talents. And I think that played a lot into it. Yeah, man. Um, it was, it was just, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot that surprised me. Um, and I, uh, I was very shocked. Um, you know, I, I'm just kind of looking at some of these, um, these, some of these picks, man. I mean, I would say like, definitely the, I mean, the, the Texans, by the way, can we talk about them for a quick second, dude? Holy crap. What, how big of balls do these dudes have? Holy shit, man. Well, that's what happens when you get a good coach that knows what he's doing. Wow. I mean, regardless of what you think, I mean, what, what people think of Stroud, I mean, he's got, you know, he does have some some skill and he's very, very accurate. And, um, you know, there, there's definitely some upside to there. I mean, there's, there's, I, yeah, for there's sure, upside. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, man, I mean, to get Stroud and then the very I don't I've never heard of motherfucker picking second and then trading up to pick third. Like, dude, this dude's got nuts on him, man. Well, um, and then you turn around and get Will Anderson. Like, dude, screw you. We were all we were all jumping for joy that you took a quarterback at two, and then you just turn around and take Anderson at three. It's like, okay, well, well played. You you look at you look at Houston. I mean, they're a deep rebuilding team. Like, yeah, they got some cornerstones, man. Especially if you know Stroud works out. They got they got some cornerstones. Um, Will Anderson looks like he could be a really good player. Stroud, I'm not I'm not certain of, but. Every quarterback in this draft is, is is kind of like a little bit like flimsy, right? I, I do like Stroud though. He, you know what he reminds me of? This is exactly who he reminds me of, and I'm glad he has a running back in Houston that can actually like take the load off of him. Jared Goff, he is like a more athletic. No, he is. He absolutely Jared is. Goff. He he's a younger, more mobile Jared Goff, and that's what I think a lot of like Lions fans actually were drawn to like Stroud because of that reason. Yeah. 
um and i didn't like like i didn't hate it if like we like he we he fell super duper far and we somehow grabbed him to sit behind golf but i think it's a good spot for him and yeah i just the texans man had some balls on him and and then and then the seahawks dude well listen i don't really know what the seahawks are doing Bro, Witherspoon, um, I think all the Lions fans, and, and I even think that Brad Holmes still had a plan to take Witherspoon at six. I'm fairly, like, certain that he was like, yeah, we got our guy at six, no big deal. And then, dude, out of left freaking field, Seattle takes him at five. I was like, my jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, no freaking way. I was so happy because, I, honestly, like, you know my stance about Devin Witherspoon. I think he's a tremendous player, just not in the top five, not in the top ten. I'm not taking a corner in the top ten. Right, he's not. He's not Sauce. No, no, because like he's he's a shorter corner than Sauce. He's not as big as Sauce. Sauce is a, is a unique human being. I mean, I watched him. I watched Sauce for. I watched him in high school. He's he's a he's unbelievable talented. It, it just unbelievable talent. Like when you think about him in college, not giving but touchdown his whole college career. Tell me the last person that has done that. I don't care where you played or what you what conference you played in. Yeah, no, that's tough. That's that's ridiculous. Like that is literally insane. Like you didn't have one lapse in coverage. Well, well and then and Arizona trades down, and I'm like, or trades up, and I'm like, oh, uh, oh, they trade down and then like up. Um, I don't. But, uh, I, I didn't and get then there. they to, to get Paris Johnson. I'm like, okay, like I figured well, they would probably go like Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson. We we talked about that in the podcast. Like Kyler Murray liked Paris Johnson, and that's exactly why they took him. Listen, the Arizona Cardinals—they're just that's a defunct organization. They literally have no—they're like rudderless. They're just—they're a disaster. First of all, you paid a guy like Kyler Murray two like the amount of money you paid him. I mean, like, holy shit! Like, I'd yeah. rather, I'd rather pay, I'd rather pay Daniel Jones that money, honestly. Like, at least Daniel Jones like shows he cares about the game and he's not going to be uh, unprepared to play the game. That's one of the things that Kyler Murray struggles with. I don't care who his offensive linemen are, he's he's unprepared most of the time. You could see it in the way he plays. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that that was you know a wild pick right there, and then. Tell me the Raiders. I mean, you know, and I'm not going to go by pick by pick or anything, but just kind of looking at some of these. I mean, tell me like the Raiders, like the Tyree Wilson was such a freaking Al Davis pick, dude. Like <laughs> that has Al Davis written all over it. I could look at it. And not in a bad, not in a bad day. It was just an old school, like Raiders, like type of pick. I could look at this two ways. One, it's an outstanding pick for uh, Vegas. I almost said Oakland. Just a minute, because <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Al Davis. But, so fair but, enough. But there is no, there is no sports teams in Oakland pretty soon. So, um, yeah. Like the thing with Vegas though is like he's gonna have Max Crosby on the other end, right? Okay. So he's not. And he gonna, gets to learn from Chandler Jones. Yeah, and he's gonna have Max Crosby on the other end. So this guy doesn't have as much pressure to go in and start for them, right? He doesn't have that pressure so they can take their time with him and he can recover from the injury which i think he can recover like i told you earlier i had a list frank injury depends on the grade and the severity but usually you can get right back into into whatever you're doing i mean it's more it's more troublesome for a guy like that's a running back instead of a defensive lineman to be honest so when you see him travis Etienne get it and then come back and be as good as he was 
the technology in that surgery is really is much better than it was. It's kind of like the ACL injury. Like people get ACL injuries all the time, and you're like, "All right, just go get surgery. You'll be out for you'll be out for a year, and we'll see you next year." You know, even like yeah. the even the Achilles injury. Like Cam Akers came back in that once in in the Super Bowl last year with Stafford off a of torn Achilles. Like when have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It's just technology coming to fold. But I I think that was a great Vegas pick. To, uh, take Tyree Wilson there because he can literally just ease his way in and it kind of makes sense for the Vegas Raiders because I really don't know where they're going in terms of their franchise so get as much young talent as you can yeah yeah and and, and the, like I said the rest of the you know the, just just w- without diving too deep you know the like the Steelers Broderick Jones that was surprising the Jets that was, at 15 that was Will McDonald that was, Will McDonald, that was that was surprising um, I mean, Van Ness at 13 was sort of surprising. I mean, there was just some stuff that you're like, holy shit, okay. Just, you know, Zay Flowers to Baltimore was kind of cool to see Lamar get some help after he resigned. Dallas Cowboys with Mozzie Smith, that was kind of a head scratcher. Um, but was, hey, I think that was a great pick. You know, yeah. I mean, it could, I mean, it could be. You know, it was just kind of a high, higher risk pick, but especially with some of their needs. But hey, whatever. You know, Dalton Kincaid to the Bills, like, uh, okay. Uh, I mean, he should be a good. You know, that should be a good pick. I didn't get that at all. I mean, they have Dawson Knox who they just paid. Well, see, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I see, I, I, they were the 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 thing that kind of made sense ish to me about it is they were kind of talking about putting him in a little bit more of like a kind of like a tight end receiver hybrid role, and then like either you know running a lot of two tight end sets or just you know having the flexibility to move off. Um, Knox if they you know if they need to within a year or two so unless they have like this kind of thing where they can put they can put Knox uh on the line and they can put Kincaid like you know in the slot or whatever then it makes sense but it still don't make sense because that's not a need for Buffalo that's exactly what I'm saying like a lot of these teams in this whole first round it was puzzling the, the the picks that they took like Will McDonald for the Jets I like Will McDonald a lot. Did I think he'd go that high? No, but I think he has great. I think he has great traits, to be honest. Yeah. But at the same time, like, what do they see that I don't see? You know, what do they see that we don't see? I, that's what I'm trying to get at. But this could this could go back. You could look back on this a couple years from now and be like. Okay, this team didn't get it right. This team didn't get it right. You go down the list, and there could be like te- there could be like twenty teams that did not get it right. So yeah, no, I mean I um yeah, dude. Um, and I don't know if we're still gonna like break this into segments like we typically do, but um, we yeah, just, dude, I'd, li- I'd love roll. to. Yeah, as I said, kind of like I've got a few in mind. I'd love to hear some thoughts with you. I know this is like totally on the fly. We didn't really have a chance to talk about anything, but just looking at the remaining guys available and like. We have three second round picks. I mean, who are some of the guys you love in the second round? Cedric Tillman would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe you know, with some of the maybe a couple of the like one of the later, you know, the the late third uh, second round pick. Because dude, I'm seeing a lot of guys here, man. That we could like, I would love Joey Porter Jr. at 34. If you got him at 34, it'd be a total win. That'd be sick. A total win. Um. I saw somebody put out like, "Oh, what if we got Will Levis at 34?" I'm not really ready for that. Um, I mean, it's funny because we actually tied a segment on the pod where we're like, 
if you fell to 18, would you consider it? And we were kind of like, eh, maybe. <laughs> but at 34, I mean, maybe. But, like, the... <sighs> There, I didn't expect Porter Jr. and freaking Brian Branch and Michael Mayer and Darnell Washington all to fall out of the first round. So, like, maybe that changes my stance a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, um, like, there's there's some players I like. Like, is that 34 if you're staring Joey Porter Jr. in the face? Come on, dude. Like Joey, Joey Porter Jr., uh, Michael Mayer, Luke Musgrove, Steve Avila, um, I like Jonathan Mingo, too. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, yeah, the receiver. You know who he reminds me of? Hmm. DK Metcalf. Really? Yeah, if he had a quarterback at Ole Miss, which Ole Miss, I don't know what the hell goes on at Ole Miss. They, they have the biggest NIL, like, of anybody, and they can never get a quarterback. Like, it's, it's insane. Like, I don't even understand. They usually have, like, these – hot shot skill players like they had aj brown dk metcalf on the same team along with evan ingram and they still didn't do shit <laughs> yeah that's correct like, who the hell was their quarterback chad kelly no yeah it was i think it was chad kelly yeah no wonder they sucked it was it, bro it they beat they beat the alabama that year and then they go the next week and they lose the texas a&m in like a blowout and you're like where was, 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 was this the same team like holy shit but that's exactly what Ole Miss does, and but they crank out wide receivers, and that John, that Mingo kid, he, he uh-huh. kind of he, he reminds me of a DK Metcalf because a lot of people when DK Metcalf came out of college, they were like, "This guy's freaking trash," you know, he's a workout warrior, blah blah blah. I was like, "No, like you gotta go turn, you gotta go watch this 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 the uh, guy." actually play the game don't look at the highlights because if you look at the highlights it, it it's it'll skew your whole persona you just look how he like gets open and the quarterback over overshoots him by like 15 yards yeah i we'll see man we will see um i i mean i wouldn't hate a receiver we could definitely use another one with jmo out for six games um all right, man. I got a question for you. A couple questions now. One, um, when the hell did Jaden Reed sneak into like a second round discussion with his workout? And then That's, I, I last time I looked, he was like being mocked in like the fifth and sixth. Now all of a sudden, he's like the sixteenth pl- best player available right now into the second okay. round. Let me just let me just put this. Out. I mean, and, I, and you know I'm a state guy. I mean, I like state. Just right. so you know, I know we're both state fans, and he's good. But like, damn, dude, he shot up like four freaking rounds. But let me put this <laughs> put put it this way: there's a player in Detroit that reminds every NFL scout of Jaden Reed. Like th- this is a comparative that they make to Jaden Reed. Marvin Jones? No, not even close. Aminra. Okay. With the way that see, he... but you know what? To be fair, let me let me get that like. His catch at the high point is some is very Marvin Jones esque. Marvin Jones is very good at catching at the high point. Yeah, but Marvin Jones is a little taller, so you're right. Yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah. of why. Um, and and they're just. I also feel like he doesn't catch like he's five eleven either. Like he does go up and get the rock. No, like Jaden Reed's a, a he's a total talent guy, and he can return punts too. So, I mean, if you're a team that like needs a wide receiver that can return punts, he'd be a good guy to go get. It just the Jane Reed thing. It it took off after like I think it was his pro day. Like you started seeing him slide into the third round, and then the second round, 
You're like, whoa. I'm like, whoa. I mean, I know he's a great player because I watched him in Michigan State, and the way he yeah, had... his, he didn't have a quarterback that he could throw him the damn well, ball. Well, Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne, kind of, um, he had the Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson issue, where he would like he just throw it to him no matter what. I don't want to hear it. the first like first couple of games he was like killing it, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I I uh, tweeted out like. Uh, Peyton Thorne Heisman watch, and then I got literally cooked, and like my friends all sent it to me all the time because all of a sudden he just fell off the side of a freaking cliff. Yeah, I don't know what happened. <laughs> to him. He, he took that. He took that hit. Um, forget what game it was. I think it washed him, and he was never the same the whole season. So I I don't know what if he hurt himself or whatever. But so so all right, look, Will Levis, Michael Mayer, Joey Porter Jr., Brian Branch. They're all four available staring at you at 34. Where, who are you going with? Joey Porter. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think that Joey Porter would be a really good pick, but I think the Steelers are going to pick him with their first pick in the second round. Oh, shit. Pittsburgh picks before us, dude. It would only make sense. Come yeah. on. They're going to pick him. And uh, it's, it's, it sucks because I like Joey Porter Jr. a lot. You know my stance on Joey Porter Jr. I, th- I thought he was a better corner than – Devin Withers. Dude, it's Joey. Dude, it's got to be the Steelers, man. See, this is what I don't get, though. His dad was there for like eight years, bro. Like, Steeler legend, bro. That's that's exactly why they're going to take him. God, dude. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> it's But, you know, like, the thing I don't understand is... So, try to reason with me. Try to reason me out of this, Tyler. Joey Porter Jr. played in the Big Ten East, which is a very competitive conference, right? Sure. There's good quarterbacks like J.J. McCarthy, uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, Tua's younger brother, uh, Toilua or whatever. You got Peyton Thorne. You have uh, – you can go on. There's, there's, there's The Big Ten East was loaded with playmakers, quarterbacks, you name it. The one that gets the most love was a guy that played in the Big Ten West, which is the opposite. I mean, besides Aiden O'Connell, there wasn't much there except um, fart noises. So people like this Devin Witherspoon kid because he beat up on the Big Ten West, which I don't understand. But the kid that actually played stiff competition in the Big Ten East, he fell to the second round. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that Seattle made a stupidest decision. They, I, I've never seen Seattle make a stupid decision like they made today. Like I know people like Devin Witherspoon, but you got to think about this. The Seahawks already have some pretty good corners, right? Like they have Tariq Woolen, who was a Rookie of the Year uh, nominee, Kobe Bryant, who played um, last year as a rookie, played really, really well. I mean, what's Devin Witherspoon going to do that Tyreek Wollin didn't do? Like, I, I, you, I, I expected the Seahawks to take like Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter. There's no way I thought they were going to take Devin Witherspoon at all. Yeah, I just at, at five, it was so surprising, and and like you kind of said too, like. <sighs> The weird part about this draft, like, is there a difference of enough between Joey Porter Jr. and Devin Witherspoon to warrant like a twenty-seven spot difference? I no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, the size advantage goes to Joey Porter Jr. I would say the physicality goes to Joey Porter Jr. Just because you got to look at the player, the players that he went against in the Big Ten East, 
I mean, when you're going against guys like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., you're going against guys like Jane Reed, going against guys like Ronnie Bell, like those are legit guys. In the Big Ten West, you have Charlie Jones and fart noises. Like That's literally what it is. Yep. I mean, no, I completely get it. And I see, like, like I said, I just don't, I don't think that there's enough difference in play um, that warrants such a, a huge drop off in spots. That's why the draft has just been so strange and just so just odd in general. And um, I, I, I just, it, with, with so many guys falling to the second round and you maybe know that Brad Holmes kind of had a little bit of a, um, you know, understanding of that this may happen because all of a sudden now we have three second rounders and what's is an absolute loaded second round. I think that Brad Holmes knew. So, uh, so we might get to the point where like, and I didn't mean to cut you off or interrupt, but I, we might get to the point where it almost feels like we drafted like five second rounders, yeah. but you kind of have to be okay with that because of the way the draft was falling. Like, it's not always just about, did you pick this guy here or did you quote unquote reach and kind of what you were talking about earlier is that like the way that it, it pans out it's like you want to get your guys and sometimes you might have to take them a little higher than expected but at the same time with the way that this draft falls I think our whole perception of what's a reach and what isn't what's good value is like totally off just as a fan base okay so let me just reason you with this so you just talked about it a little bit about reaching and uh, the, the second round and the rest of the draft right yeah, because it's, it's going to kind of look like we might have, like, five guys in the first two rounds that were all, like, kind of mocked and thought of as second-round picks. But if you get five of the, like, re- really good players, I mean, you're still winning. So you're still doing well. So when I interviewed for a certain NFL team a couple of years ago before COVID, there was a guy that said that, like, he basically said this, and it kind of brought me back to what you just said. He said, you could take a guy in the third round that should have been selected in the first round. And if he's a good player, no one will remember where he was drafted. Like, they'll they'll go look back and they'll be like, holy shit, this guy was in the third round. Like, you have guys that go in the first round all the time. All the time. And they're not worth it. And then you have guys like Dak Prescott. Russell Wilson. Well, even our own guys, Amon Ra, James Houston, James Houston, Kirby Joseph, those guys. Like, no one really cares where you draft guys. To be honest, like that's where I'm at. Because like when you look at it in, in the reality, it all matters what you do with that what that player does on the field for you. Like, listen, a lot of people didn't like the Jeff Okuda pick because they thought it was a reach at the time. I mean, there's some people that thought it was a great pick, but I, listen, I, I, taking a cornerback that early just pisses me off. So that's everyone knows that that listens to the podcast. But you talk about, you know, like a guy like T.J. Hawkinson. Like, if he wasn't drafted tenth overall, would would he have got the hate that he got? Probably not. Right. But if he was a great player, no one would even care that he was a top ten pick. That's just yeah. the way it goes. Like literally, no one cares what you where you're drafted. Like at the end of the season next year, if Jameer Gibbs is like a rookie of the year candidate, I don't think one person on planet Earth is going to say, "Oh my God, that was a reach." Like right, right. I mean, not. yeah. Or if Jack Campbell 
wins defensive rookie of the year, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that was a reach. Like, no. Well, if you ask most people, would you take – I mean, I know times are different and eras are different, but you could say, hey, would you take a running back in the with a second or third overall, or third overall pick? You'd say, hell no, right? Uh, but you'd say, well, what if I told you that player was going to be Barry Sanders and he was going to rush for 15,000 yards in nine seasons? You know, oh, well, yeah, no, no shit. I would take him third overall. He's in the Hall of Fame. Okay, but – yeah, no one ever talks you, about you Barry just, being a reach at three. They just talk about Barry being one of the best running backs to ever live. You just you just said it. Like like people are not gonna like if you told someone you take or wide receiver at two. Calvin was taken at two. Yeah. Does Calvin anyone scoff? You know, yeah. at, oh, wide receiver was taken second overall. No, he was, he's a Hall of Calvin Johnson. Yeah, the Hall of Famer. Like like I'm pretty sure like the one cornerback argument that I that goes against me is Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey's a, a he's an anomaly, right? You look at a guy like that, and you're like, okay, that's that's a that's a different breed. You know what I'm saying? Or sauce, you know what? Three. Like those those guys are rare occurrences, but like, like I I always try to stay even keeled when we get to the draft because, especially during the first round, because you get the guys that like, I remember people were so hyped, so hyped over um, God, dang it, what was his name? Um, Brandon Pettigrew. Oh Jesus! People loved Brandon Pettigrew. They thought it was like he was gonna be like the next like, uh, Gronk or whatever, T- Tony Gonzalez or whatever. Wasn't good at all. Like yeah. sometimes, and 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 this is mainly Lions fans that have this issue. I don't know if you know if you see this with with me, Tyler, but there's a lot of Lions fans that think the draft ends after the first round. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I get like, it, man. Like, like they're they're like they're like, oh my god, we didn't get the, what we need. No, dude, because like if you have a good general manager, which we're not used to, like we're not used to a good general manager in this with the Detroit Lions. I can't remember the last time the Detroit Lions had a general manager that was right. any good. I mean, we've had the Pistons have a general manager that was good, the Red Wings, Tigers, and all that. Lions have never had a good general manager. So nice. when you when you look at the general manager, you go. All right, that dude cooks. Like he literally does. Well, James, the thing Houston, that, Rodrigo, Amon Rob, Derek Barnes, name it. The thing that was crazy to me, and I actually like almost I'm not even gonna lie, like just one single reaction almost started to just really like immediately kind of change my idea of the Gibbs pick. Cause like I was like, ah man, we kind of reached a little like, and I feel like most people kind of had that ideology of like uh, or a decent amount of people. But dude, after like I saw the like the draft video of how freaking hype and excited and just straight like juiced up brad holmes was that he got gibbs i was like holy shit if he's this passionate and this dude is this fired up that we got this guy like he got his guy 100 percent. and this dude is like the fact that he was so passionate and excited and just straight up fire i've never seen brad holmes that fired up about any player like maybe i mean he was pretty freaking excited and pretty pumped when he got uh when like he got um and the Hutch was kind of an easy one, you know, uh, but, like, this dude was straight up, like, mad hype to get Gibbs, man. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Did no, you I see that I, little clip of him? Yeah. No, I know. It's, 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 it dude goes juiced. It, it goes back to what I said, though. Like, you look at Brad Holmes, and you look at his track record in the draft, and you go, okay, if he's that happy over Jameer Gibbs, he sees something that we don't see. And I always caution people, like, a lot of people fall into the trap of they listen too much to Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper 
and these draft experts, if you call them draft experts that have never been in the war room or have never been in a scouting central kind of location, like Daniel Jeremiah, he's probably the best of the bunch. But that's why I like watching NFL Network. That's why I watched NFL Network for the draft. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, turn Je- Daniel Jeremiah is really good. But like you look at some of these guys, dude, and you're like, okay, you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. And like when these play, when these general managers they pick a guy, they envision how it would fit on their team, right? Like there's certain players that would fit on the Packers instead of the Lions. There's some players that would fit primarily with the Steelers with the way that they play compared to the Lions, you know, or the Ravens have a, they have a particular set of guys that they go after who just reek of Baltimore Raven football. And if you're building a culture, you're building a foundation, you're building a team to win, not just for the next year, but going forward. And you're kind of, you're going to build a team that's consistently a winner you got to have those type of guys. And you look at these type, you look at the guys that they drafted tonight. They're two captains. What did we say last year on the, on the pot? Captains. Every one of them that they drafted was a captain pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it just follows exactly. It follows the same kind of concept of obviously we have a type. We know what kind of guys we're going after. We need leaders. We want, uh, you know, we need ballers. I mean, uh, I'm just thinking, like, dude, the way that they're looking at this offense, I mean, you got Montgomery, you've got – we're assuming Swift is probably out the door, but you got Montgomery, you got Gibbs, you got Amon Rod, J-Mo. Um, you know, there's still time in the draft for another receiver. Uh, and then you got a top five O-line. I mean, you're talking about we should easily repeat as another top five offense. I... And, I, and I love how it was, like, not neglected. Like, people, like, can easily say, like, Oh, well, you can just get a running back in the third or fourth or fifth. But tr- the true game changers and the guys that are game changing, like, dude, sometimes you can't just settle for the scraps. Like, I was listening to an interesting thing the other day and, like, we're reading some interesting stuff on the internet. And the people were talking about, like, basically, like, you know, there still are areas where you need to go get that star because, like, you know, dude. You're the the Derrick Henrys and the Alvin Kamara's and the Saquon Barkley's like they don't fall they don't just fall off trees for the most part like they're not just all around like you if you do want someone special at that position especially a position that's a little bit less valued yeah you know go get your superstar man and let that guy shine I mean dude Gibbs is gonna if you think about it man he's gonna be a nice player over the next you know especially on his rookie deal the next four years you got fresh legs and someone that can just blow the freaking gates open on your that's offense. a fifth year option too yeah dude you can blow the gates open on your offense I mean and yeah I mean you can kind of say hey thanks Swift for your time and we've moved on we moved on and yeah man I mean but the, th- the thing I looked at with DeAndre Swift and I'm happy we're not getting scraps in our fucking r- running back room anymore it's about time we went and got a dog no, I mean, like, I, I always laugh at people because, like, they will say, like, we have DeAndre Swift, we have Justin Jackson, which is funny, Craig Reynolds, whatever. I go, listen, you can never have enough guys. Like, you literally can never have enough guys. Well, I'm, I'm tired of, like, some. I, I saw this guy on Twitter, and, and I, I would I would say I would shout out his handle, but I, I you know, forgot his uh, handle, so... Uh, forgive me, but um, no, it, it basically and and um won't kind of jock him word for word here, but it kind of something along the lines of, 
we're like we're tired of the uh, carry on Johnsons and the Theo Riddicks and the you know the Zach Zenners and the all this to like try to lead our running back room. We're tired of you know the all these second, third, fourth, fifth round guys that are just kind of scraps, and we're just throwing together this half ass bullshit running back room. It's like no man, like go get a dog and like go find a guy that can you know really break open the game and like start stop getting all the scraps and thinking that like oh we're gonna just be just fine with this like go get your star man like okay let me just it's fun let me just reason with you with this okay when pittsburgh was doing their stuff they always had a running back that matched their identity they had multiple running backs right baltimore same thing i mean they have jk dobbins but they could throw in gus edwards they could throw in the guys like that and they're still going I mean, look at the top teams like the San Francisco 49ers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Steelers, the Ravens. They all have guys that like they could throw in there and they won't miss a beat. I think that's what you're trying to do with Detroit. And I think that Brad Holmes last year when he was seen Swift was unreliable and they were relying on a Jamal Williams to lead him to the promised land. I mean, that's it's cute. I mean, it could get it done in Madden, but right. after a while, you're not, that's not going to keep working. Well, that's the thing is like, I love, like I do, the more I think about it, it's like, dude, you could, yes, we're, our line is good enough. You could stick average or, or good dudes back there and they could, they could like make do, but why just make do? You can get a guy that can blow it open for a 90 yard touchdown at any point in time. He touches the ball. He's literally Jamison Williams, but in running back form, he's like a freaking explosion waiting to happen. Like, why settle for making a committee with a bunch of average guys when you can instead build on that position with a freaking stud? You know what I mean? Why get Deuce Vaughn in the fifth round when you can get Jameer Gibbs and like actually like really have a freaking home run hitter every time he's touching the ball. If Jameer Gibbs goes out there with Jamison Williams and they look like they're just out of world, People are going to look back on this and, and look at their Twitter, and they're probably going to delete some tweets. I mean, right. it's just the way it goes. But, like, the fact of the matter is Brett Holmes made the decision. And I think, to be honest, if he has a good, concise expertise and reason for why he picked who he picked, and I know people thought they reached on a couple of picks, but if he has a concise opinion on why they took him at that spot – you kind of believe the guy because what he's look his track record shows that he is not afraid to trade up. He is not afraid to take a player at a certain spot, and he can he can be all all he drafts well, is dogs. Well, they called they called the Rams crazy for the Todd Gurley pick, and and that's not fair to say it was a bad pick because he was hurt. Look at the player he was before he had his final couple injuries in the NFL. I mean, that's dude that that's a dude that was like very well deserving at that time. I mean second or third year in the league, he's like sniffing all pro teams. And the guy was on his way to like a potential hall of fame career, but you know, injuries derailed him really bad. Um, and you know, shit happened, but I mean, Jameer Gibbs has no, Gibbs has no injury history. Yeah. I mean, and, and oh. finally, you know, we get a guy that has no injury history, but I mean, dude, you know, you, like I said, you, you're, um, being throwing it back and changing up about like, Hey, maybe this position isn't so undervalued after all. Um, like I said, I just love the philosophy of 
we're getting these guys and these pieces where like it's got a chance to hit a freaking 450 foot shot to the freaking top porch like he, he's got a chance to get home run plays and explosive plays and big huge threats i i think like it's like it's like making us be like feared like you know shit if like gibbs or jmo or saint brown or Monty have the ball in their hands like oh damn like these guys could take it to the house at pretty much at any time like it really keep it's really gonna like open up a lot of versatility. I think it's going to make the offense so much freaking fun, dude. Put yourself in the shoes of defensive coordinator, right? You look at this as a defensive coordinator, you have to go into a game against the Detroit Lions, and you have to prepare for St. Brown, who is just, he is just a smart human being, and he finds ways to get open. You have a guy like Jamison Williams when he gets back from suspension, who is just a guy who could uh, literally tear your, your cornerback down the down the street like a like a just like a fast car with a with a Prius hanging on the back of it. Like then you add in a guy like Jameer Gibbs, right? Who can get home run power, who can take it the distance. And then you got a guy like Monty who can basically run you over, make a few miss, and then you and then when he gets tired, you bring in Swift or you bring in Gibbs. It's like this is what I'm talking about. Like it's everyone thinks that like football is like this. You got to be tough and you got to be physical and look at the team who wins Super Bowls, especially this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now I know they have one of the best quarterbacks we'll probably ever see in terms of the way he moves and the way he throws and everything like that. But they just have guys that can that work in conjunction with each other. Like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is different from Jarek McKinnon. Uh, the guy Isaiah Pacheco, who they got in like the seventh round, is different from Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like it's it's a total. You're when they come in the game, you're totally mind fucked. Like you're like, who am I guarding? I know I have Travis Kelce, but I have to guard this guy because he he's gonna get wide open. That's exactly what you're trying to build. Yeah, no, a lot unpredictability and like I said, just juicing up the offense and the defense. And we've talked so much about. You know, Jameer Gibbs and, um, you know, we've kind of just been all over the place and that's kind of what this is for. But like Jack Campbell, man, too, like I don't want to forget about that. I mean, that dude is like he's tall as hell. He's literally like a Chris. He's like a newer like a newer age, like Chris Spielman, like Brian Urlacher, like hybrid at, at, at six, four. Like, obviously, I mean, those are some pretty lofty comparisons, and I'm kind of just – I'm exaggerating, obviously, so don't freaking take my head off, guys. But No, I have the right comparison for Jack Campbell. But, but the guy's a freak, dude. He's almost 6'5", and the dude's just a dog. I, ha- I have the right comparison for Jack Campbell right now. And I'll, yeah, say, I'll, say, I'll say it right now. He trains with this guy. He kind of acts like this guy. If you watch his tape, you watch the games at Iowa – Tell me he does not look like Luke Keekley. Oh yeah, no, no, that's a great comparison. No, absolutely. That's he's a yeah, a six five. Uh, Keekley was only what, like six two, six one, six two? Yeah, six three, something like what that. Was he six three? Yeah, yeah. but uh, so a couple inches taller, but no, that is a great comparison. And I think they're like their uh their RAS scores were like damn near identical, it's, weren't they? Yeah, they they were like they were tied with each other. That's yeah, that's nuts. You so like 
and people look at it like they're like, oh, you're just naming him because he's a white linebacker and a white linebacker. No, I'm looking at it because like, okay, like Brian Erlacher, we people, he's one of the greatest linebackers of all time. Okay. He was kind of like a guy who he was converted safety so he can, he, he was able to cover, right? A guy like Luke Keekley, he was a little bit different. He was uh, kind of like the quarterback of the middle linebacker of the, of the, of the defense, right? Same thing with Ray Lewis. Like those type of guys are hard to come by. Sure. You know, and one of the things that Jack Campbell did say in his press conference that I, I I watched was he loves having the green dot on his helmet. You know, and that's very rare for someone to say because when you have that dot on your helmet and it, and and if you're new to football and you're listening to this podcast and you're like Anzalone is our current green dot. Yeah, and, and you're listening and you're going, "What the hell is a green dot?" It means that you're in communication from the sideline. I look at it like this. If you relish the role to have the green dot, it tells me two things. One, that you're a really controlled leader. And two, it tells me that you're smart enough to work. Oh, smart as hell. You're smart enough to tell, you know, if something's breaking down and you're not in communication with the sideline that you could say, okay, you, you move over here, you move over here. One of the greatest things that you've seen with yeah, you're quarterbacking the middle of the field. Oh yeah, I mean, would you see with Ray Lewis? Like one of the reasons Ray Lewis was one of the best of all time. Not was it wasn't just his bone jarring hits that he literally he literally killed people, but <laughs> it was it was it was it was it was way he quarterbacked nice. the defense. It was way he quarterbacked the defense. Like he quarterbacked the defense. Remember those games where he played Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning would make these calls with the Lions. So he, would he, he yeah, no, it's crazy. And, I, and, I, and you know, yeah, I was a huge Colts fan growing up. So yeah, no, I, that was always a really fun matchup. And yeah, literally one of the only guys that you see, like literally calling audibles, like at the linebacker position, literally like changing assignments, calling for, you know, calling for people to get in the zones or to put, get in a spy. And, like it, it was impressive. And I always tell people this and you can tell me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but when I look at like a defenseman in hockey, right, and I look at a linebacker in football, and I look at like a like a point guard in basketball, right, there's one thing that they have to have that other players don't have to have, and that's the vision and the smarts. Like you could be a guy like Kyrie Irving and score like 30 points a game. You could be a, a linebacker who just like runs all over the field and gets caught sometimes, or you can be a defenseman that does the same thing in hockey. But if you're not smart enough to recognize what you're doing and how you're doing it, you're often going to be like a liability. And you see it with like Russell Westbrook, you see it with guys like, you know, there's guys in hockey that are the same way, like where they, they're a total liability on the defensive end. And then you see a guy like, in linebackers who like you can go down the list of linebackers in the NFL that they'll over pursue a play and totally get lost. Like Alex Anzalone, oh, Jared Davis. Well, Jared Davis is a unique individual. I mean, like <laughs> you, you watch him and you're like, there was some, I remember. That was probably the worst first round pick. No. Ever had. Here, so here, I remember there was a game, right? Where I was watching the game film and I literally watched, Jared Davis, I'm not. I'm not even kidding you, Tyler. I'm not kidding you right now. He ran into the offensive guard because he thought the ball was going that way. Bruh. It was a sweep. 
to the oh. other side. <laughs> this dude, this dude ran right, and that's what I'm talking about. Like, if yeah, you, that's tough. If you're not smart enough to understand the play, if you're not understand, if you can't see the play and the way it's going, you're probably going to be a really bad linebacker in, in, in football. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I, I, uh, no, I, I like the the green dot mentality. I think that he can learn a lot from Anzalone. I even, I even love the, I love the fact that we re-signed re- Anzalone too because now he can help, kind of like teach him and like show him the ropes and kind of like really, you know, iron sharpens sharpens iron and all these guys are great leaders. And uh, I just, I, I'm so happy because I wanted a linebacker and I wanted Jack Campbell really, really bad, dude. And we got him and it actually. Like pumps me up big time because that dude. So let me ask you legit. this: They signed Alex Anzalone to a contract. Yep. You think that this had any connection to what they they were thinking when they when when they went into the draft? They're like, okay, we're gonna go get a linebacker in a draft, but first we're gonna keep a guy here who we know is gonna be a veteran in that lock that linebacker locker room that they can learn off of. Because you know the one thing you can't really question about Alex Anzalone I don't care if you are uh, whatever I don't, I don't care if you don't like the guy or not the one thing you can't question is is intensity and his heart yeah no doubt no and I and of course yeah I think that had a big part to do I think they were planning I think they had Jack Campbell targeted well before um, you know well before the draft and I think they had them targeted and in mind when they were resigning Anzalone. I think it was a huge part of it, and I'm happy it worked out because, um, you know, he's a great leader. He's a smart player. Um, he's just one of those guys where, like, there's nothing really, like, wrong with the way he approaches the game. He's, he just, he's just not going to be your most athletic, you know, dominating type of player. Like, everybody has their physical limitations, but fantastic leader, great locker room guy. Really good, really smart, good teacher, and he's serviceable and good enough to where, especially adding a guy like Campbell in there, um, Anzalone should have a much easier time with not having to like play outside his role too much or to like cover up, try to cover up others' mistakes. I mean, and he's gonna get some rest too. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, that's gonna help him out too. And I don't think Alex is a, a horrible player. I mean, do I think he may be slightly overvalued in our organization just because we didn't have much there? Sure. But he also brings a lot of intangibles, and he's he's an important part to the defense. So, I, 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 but I like him a lot more now that we have Jack Campbell for real. I really do. I like <laughs> him more now. Like I do. Like it, it's gonna make him a better player, and he's gonna fit a better role. And it, he'll be. I think he'll be better because of it. I look at Jack Campbell, and I look at Alex Anzalone, and the way that they play. Both of them are kind of like uh, they're just high intensity, high mortar guys that are gonna give you everything they got in every single play, and. When I look at this first round with the Lions, with Jack, Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell, the one thing I can say without a doubt is that they're both smart, uniquely smart players. Yeah, you because, can tell that they have a tight man. You can tell that what Holmes and Campbell want out of these players, um, you know, they want leadership, they want high IQ, and they want these guys that are going to go out there and play the game the right way, like – listen, I'm sure that they thought there were plenty of guys that maybe were um, more talented or had more skill or raw upside than the guys they got. Like, I think, I think that they probably thought that at a certain point, but is it, does it also fit with, you know, 
the, the high IQ they're looking for, the leadership they're looking for, the intensity, the passion they're looking for. Do they, those guys love football? Do those guys, are they going to make the right decisions on the field? Are they going to help the team win? Like it's a lot more than just raw talent or fast 40 times. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot you're looking for. And I think that with the combination of everything they're looking for with that it factor, they got their guys. And, and like you said, they didn't give a shit where they got them. They're happy as hell. Brad Holmes is cheesing with a big old grin on his face before he falls asleep tonight because he got his guys and he doesn't give a damn if he got them at, you know, 12 and 18, or if he got them at 18 and 34, it doesn't freaking matter because he's got, he got two of his guys and that dude is going to sleep well tonight. One of the things that Brad Holmes, and Dan Campbell always talked about was the FBI, the football intelligence. And with the two players you got tonight, I, I think it displays that. And I think that's exactly what they look for. Because if you look at last year's draft with Kirby Joseph, with Malcolm Rodriguez, uh, James Houston, they all had the same similar traits. Not, not traits, but like they had the same identity. FBI, football intelligence. They had a unique set of skills that they put together and it put together on the football field. Like when they drafted Kirby Joseph, they knew that he was a ball hawking safety. I don't think they knew how good he was yeah. or else teams would have drafted him in the first round. But it just goes to show you that like what Brad Holmes, and Dan Campbell do, you kind of look at and you go interesting, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let it play out because like I said earlier, Steve Eisman drafted Mo Sider and people laughed at the pick and said it was stupid and they didn't know who this guy was. A year later, he's uh, he's starting for the Red Wings and he won the Calder Trophy as the best rookie in National Hockey League. So that's all it takes. And if you're a good general manager, you could literally go and make a pick and say, screw you, we're going to do this thing and I'm going to show you how it's done. Yeah, man. Well, I'm definitely, uh, definitely on, you know, on board. And, and, and another thing too, you know, it's like Brad Holmes has not given us really a huge reason to not trust him yet. So I, I trust that he made the, the right decision and the right picks. And I'm also not an asshole and not unrealistic too. So, you know, you got to give these young rookies time to learn and grow and develop. And, um, you know, it's never there. They can't help it where they're drafted. So let's, you know, let's try to, be be reasonable and, and let these guys grow develop and learn um and see what we can do man but yeah i'm super excited for tomorrow and and hopefully we can uh snag some some nice talent tomorrow in the second round we'll see what they do in the second round obviously there's gonna be all eyes on what brad holmes and dan campbell do that they reach for another person that people don't even know or don't even haven't even watched you know it's a funny thing tyler when i when I go through the page and I see like people like commenting, I'm like, you, you never watched a down of Alabama football or you never, you never watched a down of Iowa Hawkeye football. I mean, who blames you? I mean, their offense was so bad that like, I'm pretty sure if they went to a whorehouse, they would never score either. So, I mean, I think they scored like 13 points a game in college football. Like that's like, that's insane. Like, you gotta yeah. be you gotta be so bad to score thirteen points a game in co- when you're. That's another thing. Jack Campbell was a part of a defense that outscored his offense. So, it's not. It's literally stupid. <laughs> All right, this is a great podcast, and then it'll be out tomorrow, which is today. 
So yeah, till later today. So, <laughs> so uh, it's a good. It's um, it was a good podcast, and um, hopefully the people enjoy it. And we'll talk to you guys later after the draft is done to recap the whole draft and kind of get in conjunction with what we think. All right, guys, have a good night. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you on the next pod.